Hey everybody, it's Sam with Paranormal Review, and today we are reviewing the new Ghost Hunters, Season 1, Episode 4, The Cursed Castle. It aired in October 2nd of 2019, and I am watching the special um, episode of Access Granted that has some um, bonus clips in it. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about those as we go. Um, was a little shocked uh, when I found out exactly what we were going to be investigating with the new Ghost Hunters team. Uh, with it being... Um, Landau's Mohegan Castle in uh, Loudonville, Ohio. It is about 90 miles, um, or excuse me, 90 minutes southwest of Cleveland when I looked it up. It appears to be an extremely nice place in uh, a nice area of town. Um, I think if it wasn't haunted and I wasn't chicken, then uh, I definitely may want to take off and go there just because it is, it's pretty cute, you know? Um, so I was kind of excited to see what this episode was actually, you know, kind of going to bring us. Um, I was looking forward to it because after our last episode, um, when we went to, I believe it was Tony's house, wasn't it? The lady in the window? Um, but anyway, our last episode, I was kind of thinking, well... Let's give Ghost Hunters a break a little while. We've got some new series that we probably need to concentrate on that we haven't even tried. We we need to, people are writing in and saying we need to do the Dead Files. We need to do Kindred Spirits. And I'll be honest with you. I came across uh, where I put up news and live interviews and live investigations and everything like that on Paranormal Review Facebook page. Um, I try to put some of them up on Paranormal Review's Twitter page, but a lot of people, they are doing Facebook Live excuse me, Facebook Live investigations now. And so they don't go up on Twitter really well. Uh, it almost seems like a lot of people either like to go Facebook Live or they like to do Periscope on Twitter. Uh, they don't do them both. And so you'll find a lot of different uh, news articles and investigations and talks uh duo demonology is um doing talks pretty much every monday now um and i'm gonna butcher his last name but it's james anoint i believe and um carl uh johnson from the conjuring house and from ghost hunters uh the first couple seasons and they are doing um, talks about demonology. And th some of those have, have really been interesting. So I encourage you to check out Paranormal Review's Facebook page or uh, Facebook, excuse me, our Twitter page. As always, you can write me at paranormalreviewpod at gmail.com. Yes, that's singular. Paranormalreviewpod at gmail.com. But anyway, I was posting an article that had been written by Brandon Alvis, who is one of the new members of the new Ghost Hunters. And he was talking about using some new tech. And he just happened to mention 
that in episode four is when they started to kind of start using that. And that piqued my interest. That's the reason why you're getting a new Ghost Hunters uh, paranormal review. Because I sat down and I really wanted to watch it and see what kind of new tech he was talking about. What it could do. If it made sense. And if I thought maybe that it was legitimate. I'm going to be real honest with you. Everything that I have read that Brandon Alvis has written, uh, when I hear him on podcasts or I see him on Twitter, he seems to make sense. Uh, I think that he uh, comes across as very smart. And like I said, the article... Uh, I believe he was, he didn't actually write the article. He was, he was being interviewed and, and he just made the comment that, you know, around episode four, they started using some new tech and I've seen where he's already made comments that in season two, that, um, they do away with some of the tech that other paranormal shows are using because they don't believe that it works they believe that it gives some false positives and that has really impressed me so I hit the DVR button and I said you know I I really want to watch this this new team intrigues me and has since the very first episode um I believe Grant Wilson has put together an interesting group of different backgrounds that when, I don't know that they're exactly there yet, but when they become a solid team and they use each other's backgrounds to not only learn from each other, but use each other's expertise to kind of get to the bottom of things, I think they're going to discover a lot more and so I was pretty excited about this this episode and then like I said when I saw that they were at Mohegan Castle I thought this place is gorgeous and I can't imagine the grounds and everything of course you know we start off the show where Grant is um talking to Daryl and Kristen who are the co-leaders of the team and kind of telling them a little about where they're going and what's been going on um he introduces them by video to Shayla and Jimmy Landel um and how their castle is built on ground that a Lutheran church was on and that it was burnt to the ground in the late 1800s under kind of mysterious circumstances. And beside the church, there was a cemetery, which still is there. And that Shayla and Jimmy feel like it could be creating an atmosphere that the employees aren't real comfortable about being around. And then to find out that not only did they do a video, that Shayla wrote grants early and stated that things are getting worse and that she believes something possibly could be targeting her family. And that got me even more interested. I, um, my, my, um, family lives over in Ohio and I have drove up 79 or excuse me, 77 quite often. And, um, I've never been over Southwest, but I have heard about the Mohegan Castle and have always kind of wanted to see it. Um, of course, I immediately stopped the episode when I saw it and wanted to see if any other shows had been there because it just looked so familiar to me. And as I was looking to see, you know, had Ghost Adventures been there before? Had, you know... Um, 
Ghost Hunters been there before? Had Paranormal State been there before or something? Well, no. Um, I have to admit that I absolutely love Gordon Ramsay. And they were actually on his um, reality show in the third season of Hotel Hell where he came and was trying to fix hotels that also had, you know, restaurants in them. And that's where it looks so familiar to me from. But um, Mustafa, as they're driving through, um, had already did some research on the place and talked about how Jacob Henry Hyde established the first Lutheran church and that it burnt and that the cemetery is obviously still on the property. And then we see a family meeting and we get to actually meet and hear Jimmy and Shayla. And um, Jimmy talks about how his dad bought the property and how as he grew up, he'd always been kind of fascinated with castles. Um, and he slowly kind of built a section at a time and then would put stone around it and then start building somewhere else, build another turn or build. And that after a while, um, his mother just kind of suggested that they needed to turn it into a hotel. And it became a hotel in 2002 through my research. Um, and I like that Grant says, you know, exactly where, where, where did the church burn at? And Jimmy said, well, you know, it, it, it sat in the yard near where we are right now uh, over next to the cemetery. And it's about 150 feet from where they were actually setting. So, that was a little shocking that he decided to build the house, you know, that close to where church burnt, even though he owned more land and could have put it elsewhere. Um, Jimmy then starts talking about a history of fires. And um, he talks about how the weekend before Mother's Day, their, their restaurant was actually burnt down. And he says now that the fire alarm keeps going off and the fire department can't figure it out. And he even admitted that it, it does freak him out some. Um, I guess the one question that I wanted to know is he used the very words uh, a history of fires. So I really 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 want to know what exactly did Jimmy mean by that because when you say you have a history of fires um, that usually means more than one and he really told us about the big one where you know the restaurant actually burnt completely down I wanted to know more as far as where else have there been fires, um, you know, at what time periods? Uh, were there fires before his dad started building the castle on the land? And when his dad started building the castle, did that become when the fires actually kind of started happening? So, um... I didn't really get those answers, but uh, Kristen and Grant and Daryl ask about the different experiences that they've been having. And they tell him about in December, there were guests that were parking, and the parking is down near where the cemetery is is and as they were parking the lights kind of hit the cemetery right and they saw a young girl wearing a blue sundress and when they got out of the car they looked for her and they didn't find her i don't know about you but um i'm probably not going to go look 
for a young girl in a blue sundress in the middle of winter at night that I see through my parking lights in a cemetery. Um, there's a lot of holes in that story. I, I don't know about that, but, um, they said that she's a pretty common sight around the cemetery and that a lot of times she tries to hold people's hands. They believe that her name is Samantha and that she is actually buried in the cemetery and they show her gravestone. Now, they talk a little bit more about her later in the episode, but I guess my main question is, what leads them to believe this? What put in their mind? Um, they show the cemetery. It is not a small tin-plot cemetery. Um, it's not Yamongous. It's not Arlington National Cemetery or anything like that, but it it's not what I would call, you know, little or or small. So what led them to this particular girl and why? Uh when they show her gravestone, her initials are on it. And so how exactly did they know her name was Samantha and how did this get started, I guess, is what I wanna know. Then they start telling them about the Macbeth Cottage, uh, number 13, and how when Shayla had been out there, she had heard a little girl laughing in her ear, and that they had had guests before uh, feel like blankets were being pulled off the bed. They turned on a light, and they saw a soldier standing at the foot of the bed. And, again, I guess just really unusual to me, a lot of people see spirits or ghosts at the foot of their bed, and when they go to turn on the light, then they disappear. So, real unusual for this story to be told that they didn't see it, until they turn on the light and when they did then they saw the spirit and she described how it slowly almost burned away and that just i i don't know what to think of that i i really am not sure and then they talk about how there has been seen it's a common sight all over the property but in the Macbeth um, cottage, there is a woman with white hair, and some of the guests have seen her. And then they go to the restaurant, and they go over, you know, to the kitchen, and they meet an, an executive chef that saw the woman with the white hair. And he said that they made eye contact, and she flew across the room to him. And then just suddenly disappeared. And then they talked to the prep cook who walked out into the dining room and saw a woman in a white gown with glasses. And then she kind of disappeared. Um, and Jimmy and Shayla are very kind of adamant, but especially Jimmy that they want whatever is here gone and they don't want people to be frightened um and i don't blame them this is their livelihood this is where they live but this is also a hotel this is where guests come to enjoy themselves to relax um to eat in their restaurant and, and everything so i can understand them feeling that way um, Grant has to, though, kind of tell them, I've got to figure out what's going on. And then my team and I have to kind of try to see if we can figure out why that is happening and kind of almost a bucket, you know, if, if they can come up with some kind of natural solution to it. And then if they can't, 
they need to determine whether it's paranormal, whether it's, you know, not normal, and then is it safe? And if it's not safe, can they make it safe? And he kind of makes sure that he goes through this with them. And they act like they're okay with that. Um, They act like that that is something that that they're, you know, kind of okay with. And I was kind of shocked. I thought that they would uh, maybe press them for answers. But um, somewhere along the lines, there was a team meeting held, or Daryl come up with this idea since he was there with them on his own and kind of ran it by Grant. We didn't really see that. But um, Grant arranges for Brooke Sigard, um, and they describe her as a forensic sketch artist to come in and sketch what the different eyewitnesses have seen, what the front desk clerk has seen, what the executive set chef has seen, and what the prep cook has seen. Um, and I can go ahead and tell you, I was a little interested. I've never heard of a forensic sketch artist. Uh, that's not really her actual title. But uh, Brooks Guard is real. Um, she graduated from Tiffin U- University with her master's in crime analysis in 2008 and forensic psychology in 2005. She has a bachelor's from the University of Cincinnati in 2000 in criminal justice. And she has worked for the Delaware County Sheriff's Office since 2001 and has been an analyst for them since 2008. And when you look her up, Part of her job description for being an analyst is doing um, eyewitness uh, sketch art. And so she is for real. I wish we would have got to see a little bit more of them describing, but when she gets done, you can tell all three sketches are different, but yet they are similar and could very well be the same person. Um, and I kind of wonder, I guess, what led to that? What made them think of that? Uh, and why, why did did they do that? I also kind of wonder why they never showed the sketch art to Jimmy and Shayla or around town. And I wonder if anyone actually maybe at one time knew this woman or knew her story so i mean that was a question that i kind of wanted to know and wanted them to explore a little bit and then brandon gets to the part that i kind of have been waiting on and he talks about how they're going to actually kind of use two new new pieces of equipment and the first one that he talks about is a bineural uh, microphone and it will pick up any EVPs and it's kind of like having superhuman hearing. I've seen this on another paranormal show and I wasn't sure of it. Uh, I'm assuming that it has to amplify the sound and really enhance it and so that's the only thing that really kind of makes me I guess leery of it but um anyway uh Grant kind of puts Daryl in charge of this and Daryl makes the decision that Branda Brandon and Mustafa will be in the cemetery while Brian and Rochelle go to Macbeth College number 13, and that uh, Grant, Kristen, and himself, Daryl, will go looking into the restaurant. So we head off at 10.03 to the cemetery with Brandon and Mustafa, and I am really starting to like them. I like them as partners 
Um, they play off of each other really well. Um, they have two different trains of thought. And because um, it almost seems like Mustafa is more willing to open his mind up and kind of consider different things and feel different things whereas Brandon is more black and white they really come together almost like yin and yang and form a complete team and I enjoy their chemistry they're they're you know teasing each other and and really trying to get to the bottom of things and questioning each other and everything. So, during these four episodes that I've watched, I've really enjoyed them as a team. Um, again, they they directly go to Samantha's grave. And this is where we find out that she died of typhoid fever and then her mother died 10 days later. And so... I guess I'm still wondering, because they don't answer the question, why are we concentrating on this? Why are we not trying out different areas of the cemetery? Why are we not going over to where the parking lot is and seeing if we can see anything? Why are we not setting up maybe a stationary cam to film and see if we see anything I, I i question little things like that they decide to use their their new piece of equipment um brandon is wearing headphones and mustafa is going to start off speaking and he's going to see if he can hear any voice or any movement or anything like that that may answer Mustafa's questions. But this is where they introduce us to what they call a data logger. Now, this, I, I want to use some big, uh, great word. And the only thing that I can think of is this is just really cool. Um, it records temperature, vibration, EMF, pressure, and humidity. And it does what it says. It logs the data. It logs the change in the temperature, the, the pressure change, and everything. And then afterwards, you can pull it up on the computer because they do later. And you can see where the data fits and where there's different discrepancies where things are going up and some things are going down and, and everything. And I really, really, really think this is cool. Um, I looked them up and it seems like it depends on whether they plug into a computer or they can run on a battery or what you have them do. You have them just do humidity or if you have them do a lot of different stuff. It looked like um, online they run anywhere from $40 to, to design something that has all five of these looks like would run you six or seven hundred dollars but this seems really cool and it seems almost scientific to me and that is what i'm interested in that's what i'm kind of searching for so as mustafa is asking if a little girl likes playing with the guest here uh, Brandon does hear a voice through the headphones, and then we see um, the data logger kind of beep, and Mustafa says, hey, we definitely need to make sure that we review this, this section of the, the film and the tape and the recording and everything and see what we're, we're going to hear. I'm going to be real honest with you. I didn't hear anything. Um, but I didn't have headphones on like Brandon did. But um, I just, 
I didn't hear anything. And he describes it almost um, as being a whisper, as being very quiet. And so as they ask questions, um, the light goes off on the EMF detector section of the data logger. And so it from watching previous paranormal shows, of course, leads me to believe that this is an intelligent haunting, and I kind of wanted them to do some additional experiments with this, to um, spend a little bit more time on it. And maybe they did, and they didn't get anything. I'm not sure. But I, I did want them to experiment maybe in different areas of the cemetery or with different questions or different techniques or, or something like that. But then we dr jump over at 10.41 p.m. to Macbeth Cottage where we see Rochelle and Brian. Uh, Brian has a thermal camera and Rochelle lays down in the bed and of course Brian's not picking up anything on the thermal camera. And I'm thinking, well, Number one, you haven't been there that long, so you're not going to immediately just pick it up. But number two, um, the couple that told Jimmy and Shayla the story said, you know, they were under the blankets. They felt blankets being pulled off of them, and she obviously wasn't under the blankets. She obviously wasn't asleep. Um, they didn't find out what time this was, so maybe it's something that is residual that happens in, or that they see on a regular time basis. So, little disappointed, I guess, with Rochelle and Brian in this area. And then we see Brian um, go over to a mirror, and he says that some guests have seen a soldier in this mirror and this is news to me because I didn't hear anyone say that so I am kind of wondering where they they got that story um, but we hear Brian um, talk almost to the mirror with the thermal camera pointed at it uh, and telling the soldier that he also was a soldier for 10 years and that he understood him and it was a kind of opening that we we got to see in in Brian um, almost like Brian was trying to make a connection and then it almost immediately jumps over to 1119 in the restaurant and Grant and Kristen and Daryl are walking in, and it's 11.19. Now, remember, uh, Mustafa and Brandon started at 10.03, so I kind of want to know what, what Grant, Kristen, and um, Daryl have been doing for the last hour, hour and a half. Have they been watching cameras? Have they been trying to figure something out? Have they been setting up equipment? What have they been doing? I've I always wonder, you know, what are people doing when they're not around? Um, so they decide to set up each of the three sketch pictures that the sketch artist made and put data loggers in front of them. And then uh, two of them sat at the table, and it, it appears that Kristen is almost nervous. She doesn't sit down, and kind of, I don't know, is fidgety almost. Grant explains to any spirits or ghosts that are in the area who they are and the devices and how, you know, they can touch them or they can manipulate them to make a sound. And then they all hear a moan. Which I found kind of unusual, because again, I didn't hear a moan, and they didn't replay it. And I think that's what got on my nerves. I thought, if all three of you heard it, surely you guys would have replayed that 50 times so that we could have heard it. But, um, I replayed it several times on my DVR, and I never did really hear a moan, and it's not 
presented in the reveal to Jimmy and Shayla. So I found that kind of unusual too, that they heard a moan, but yet it wasn't caught, I guess, or something because they didn't present it. So we then get a bonus episode. And it's not timestamped though. But Rochelle and Brian are actually down in the cemetery. And at some point when they were in the cemetery, Rochelle had promised to bring toys. So she did. She brought up light up toys to try to get interaction. So Brian set the recorder down on Samantha's headstone and Rochelle explained it that, you know, if her or another spirit wanted to talk, then this would hopefully capture it. But then she told her that she had brought her light up toys and that she was placing the balls also on the headstone and she moved them around so that the light would light up and she said that they weren't like normal toys that as soon as you touched them that they would light up that they weren't easily lit up um that you actually kind of had to move them and they ask not a lot of questions but they ask a couple questions and they get no response. So I'm assuming that's why they kind of dropped this scene from the original episode. But I'm shocked that they didn't stay down there longer. Uh, they didn't try it elsewhere. Again, I, I wish um, Ghost Hunters wouldn't go in with a real set mindset where they think it's this and if it's not then something else may not you know be creating it I I just I don't know I get frustrated with that I guess um, but then we see Grant Kristen and Daryl move into the kitchen and um, Grant says that he's going to use a technique called gossiping to see about the white-haired woman. And he explains that sometimes when there's other spirits or entities around, that they'll talk about each other. Well, that totally makes sense to me. That's totally logical to me. Um, I'm not sure who come up with that concept, but that, that does make sense because, you know, when you're alive, you do talk about people. So I don't understand if you're dead, why you wouldn't talk about him. But he asks if anyone has seen this woman. And if you have, then touch the machine near the pig, touch the device near the pig. And two of them go off. And they just happen to be the two sketches without the glasses and so he asks if they are the same woman if these two pictures are two different women or are they of the same woman and again the lights go off now I'm really impressed with Grant because I always point this out in episodes Grant we actually see him switch the pictures around and we see him switch the machines around. And so then he asks that if the picture that has the lady in glasses, if she would be without the glasses, is it someone they recognize? And all of the devices go off um, almost like crazy. And Grant says that there's the possibility of having an intelligent entity here. Well, again, I wish they would have played with this a little more. Obviously, they had a spirit, a ghost, an entity, whatever you want to call it, there. It would answer questions. I wish it would have showed them asking more questions and getting some response. 
but there again, um, maybe they did and they didn't show it or they didn't put it on the screen or they didn't explain it. But all of a sudden, um, at 2.57, um, Grant kind of wants to call it a day. And we're going to end, you know, Night One's investigation. Now, at the beginning of day two, Grant says that he needs to bring in some fire specters. And he wants to bring two of them in to look at the fire alarms. And that um, two previous guests have came forward and they have additional info that we might need. Now, when Grant says this, I almost immediately think, well, that's a great job, Grant. I can't believe that you're having two fire inspectors come in and kind of make sure that they both come to the same conclusions. But then um, we find out that that's not really what happens. Um, the fire investigators go together. Now, we'll talk about that in a minute because what they do is they start off with the two previous guests. Um, they have Rochelle and Brian talking to them. And we meet uh, Joe and Courtney Crickbaum. And it was their wedding night. And they started to hear some noises in their room. And then they, Joe felt rubbing and kind of tickling around on his feet and Courtney felt like someone was watching her and she sat up very quickly and she saw a figure at the end of the bed so again you know we have in the Macbeth cottage a figure at the end of this bed and I I just don't understand why they didn't set up some stationary cameras. Like I said, I, I just kind of wonder if maybe that's a residual haunting that comes through and they couldn't have picked it up. I I really wish they would have done that. But then we see Daryl meeting Steve Ambrose and uh, Williams Farnsworth and they are the fire uh, inspectors. Now, I will say, William Sparnworth um, looks really young for his age. I don't know how old he is, but he looks really young. And I really thought that Daryl was going to say, you know, you start here, you start over there, and um, don't really talk to each other, but go about doing your fire inspection the way you want to and give us a report. And I thought that they would kind of see if they matched up. But they actually, I guess, came together. They actually maybe worked together or whatever because um, they started doing their inspection together. Um, after the inspection, Steve kind of takes charge, the older one, and he says that the wires all over the house are correct um, and they have no idea why the fire alarm would be going off that there's nothing loose there's nothing wired wrong or anything like that um so then we see a night to team meeting and grant says that because it's raining that the cemetery has now become off limits and he feels like there's activity here meaning you know the castle uh, the restaurant and well in the cottage and how he really wants to concentrate here he wants to see is it dangerous and he feels like they really need to focus in on this and keep investigating so they decide to put Brandon and Mustafa in the castle and then Rochelle and Brian in the restaurant and then Daryl and Kristen are going to go to the Beth Cottage number 13. Well again this leads me to ask Grant where are you? What are you doing? Um, are you 
at some kind of base camp and supervising? Are you touching base with walkie-talkie? Um, are you talking to somebody? Are you getting something set up? What what exactly is Grant doing? But we see Brian and Rochelle at 11.07, and they also brought the sketches in to you know, the restaurant kitchen area to see if it brings activity again. Um, Brian starts asking questions. And before really anything can happen with the data loggers or anything like that, Rochelle says that she is starting to smell gas and that she feels like her head is starting to hurt and she said i i'd like to go step outside and she asked brian if he can gather the stuff up because she feels herself getting kind of dizzy and so brian obviously gathers the stuff up and we see them walking and brian is saying we need to to go find grant and let him know what's going on well, that's me. I want to know where Grant is. Where are you guys going to go find him? Because when we see them talking to Grant next, he doesn't look like it's that far away from the castle. And Grant asks if they check to see if the pilot lights were on. And uh, they both state no that the smell was kind of getting overwhelming and they just kind of wanted to get out so grant does the logical thing and says i think we really need to get in there immediately uh, because the family's already lost one restaurant from burning down i don't really want to see another one get burned down so he makes a call to daryl and so we see Grant, Daryl, and Brian come and check things out and want to make sure things were okay. But in the meantime, they, I don't know, uh, show Mustafa and Brandon at 12.16 going to the Landolf suite. And when they walk in, both immediately feel the heat. Um, Brandon notices that the fireplace is blazing when they walked in. He asks very little questions. You can tell that the heat is getting to him. He tries to take what he calls a sweep of the, of the suite and as he does, he finds that the heater on the landing is also one. And how this is an issue. Um, we immediately flash back, though, to Brian and Daryl and Grant checking out the restaurant and how Kristen says she needs to go outside. Grant then gets on the radio and tells everybody they need to have an emergency team meeting. And Grant says, it's been a really weird night. Let's kind of call it a night. And we see them going off to review film. We don't get a timestamp on any of that. The last timestamp we get is of Brian and Mustafa at 1216. And I, I thought that was weird um, that they didn't explore that that um you know they find that the pilot lights were out there were three of them out and they don't know how they came out they obviously can smell the gas uh we have mustafa and brandon finding a fireplace ablaze and the heat turned up and they don't really put any cameras in there they don't let things run it's almost like they don't explore things. And I start wondering, well, does Grant, with all of his experience, somehow have this figured out? And it's a mystery, and, and I haven't been, you know, Sherlock Holmes and figured this out. So what we do is we get... um 
Grant and Kristen and Daryl coming in where Brandon has a computer hooked up. And he says that he feels like this is the most they have gotten so far of any places they've been. Brandon shows them the film of Mustafa's personal feelings where he feels like someone is possibly around him or sitting near him, sitting in his lap, and how the EMF goes off. And Brandon then shows them the data logger where the temperature drops at that moment. The pressure drops at that moment, but the humidity spikes sky high. And I find kind of all of that fascinating, but they showed none of that to us. Um, They didn't show the context that was in. They didn't show what questions they were asking. Um, I like that we got to see the computer and we got to see the different readings and I loved how Brandon matched it up in the film where Mustafa was having a personal feeling and it's like the data logger backed that up. But I, I really wish we could have saw the context that that was in. And we go into the reveal and the findings and they kind of skim over things. They explain, you know, the sketch artists and how they use them. And, and they show them the pictures. And then they show them Mustafa and Brandon's audio. And the data logger showing where the atmosphere changed. And they told them about the fire inspector's report. About how everything was wired right and everything was okay. But how Rochelle and Brian smelled grass. And they found out that there were three pilot lights out and then Mustafa and Brandon going in and finding it over a hundred degrees in the Landall suite with the fireplace and the heater both on and I'm thinking you know it's really weird that they found the fireplace and the heater on, but because they didn't have any stationary cameras already set up, because um, they didn't have any outside cameras set up, we don't necessarily know that anyone wasn't in that suite that started that fire or that heater. And because it was so hot, it was over 100 degrees, uh, Brandon even says at one point they had to open windows and doors to get it to cool down. Um, We didn't see any of that. We didn't see them question. We didn't see them investigating. Um, That really confuses me. And they talk about the three pilot lights being out on the stove and that possibly causing gas and everything. Well, did the fire inspectors check that? Um, At no point did we see them in the kitchen checking that. Is an alarm supposed to go off on that? Because I've never heard of that. So why would a fire inspector check that? So why didn't they bring someone in to find out what had happened there and and if everything was okay i just feel like um we didn't really explore this i felt like this investigation was kind of choppy um I know it's a big area. There were a lot of buildings to investigate. I wish they would have had a more concise plan. I wish they would have peppered the area with cameras and really broke down film um, and possibly came to some kind of conclusions and explanations. Because at the end of this, um, Grant says that he recommends that they try to prevent fire as much as possible and kind of make it a fortress so that fire can't penetrate it because he can't come up with any solutions. And he says, I really want to come back. Well, yeah, I want you to come back. I want you to stay right now. 
I don't understand why you start filming at 10 and, you know, at 2.57 on the first night, you're ready to go. Um, I, I don't get that. There's, what, seven of you guys? Are you saying you can't investigate, you know, for seven hours and you guys break down some film together? Uh, what is going on? Um, I didn't think this was one of the, the best episodes. This turned out to kind of be a disappointment. Yes, the data logger was super cool. But I also noticed that the audio device that Brandon was so excited about, they never used again. Why didn't they use it in the bedroom where the soldier was? Um, you know, why didn't they use it maybe to communicate with the woman with the white hair? I, I just feel like there's a lot of holes and it's no wonder Grant wants to come back. I would like to know the real story on this. I would like to know if he was rushed, if, um, directors or producers were were rushing him, that they had to get out of there, or maybe the family couldn't not have guests for, for, you know, a period of time, and they wanted them to hurry up. What exactly went on here? Um, when I started researching uh, Landau's uh, Mohegan Castle, um, it is a three to four star hotel. It has pretty good reviews. Um, in TripAdvisor, in where I read TripAdvisor, I did not see any reviews talking about haunting or seeing anything, anything like that. Um, they do offer um, haunted history tours. It's on their website. You can look it up. And they are given at 8, 8 p.m., only in September and October for $25 a person and you get one hour. And they kind of tell you the history of the house. They take you out in the cemetery and tell you the history of Samantha. And they kind of tell you about the restaurant burning down because that is located on the website. You can read that for yourself. However, um, if you click the menu button, you'll see that they do offer ghost tours. Um, and it, they talk about the haunted history tour, but they also talk about ghost hunts or paranormal investigations. And this includes a tour of all of the active areas, exclusive access to the grounds, an indoor location to set up with equipment, which we never saw ghost hunters do, um, where their base camp was or where they set up equipment. Access to the pool house, if available. We never saw a pool or a pool house or had access to that pool house. Never saw that. Um, access to the tunnels under the castle. This totally shocked me. There's tunnels under the castle that if you go on a ghost hunt or a paranormal investigation and you schedule it through them, you get access to these tunnels. Why didn't the new ghost hunters go down there? Was that checked by the fire investigator? Is that causing any issues or problems or anything? It also says uh, access to our private 230-year-old graveyard, the Hage Cemetery. And then it states that the cottage, the Macbeth Cottage, number 13, is the most haunted location on the property. And it is also available to investigate for an additional fee. And it talks about how the normal ghost hunt or paranormal investigation, whichever one you would prefer, 
uh, is $65 per person. However, if you want to investigate the most haunted location, which would be the cottage, they start out for $199 on weekdays. Um, but the ghost hunt, like I said, that includes all active areas, exclusive access to the grounds, an indoor location to set up your equipment, access to the pool house, access to the tunnels under the castle, access to our private 230-year-old graveyard, is $65 a person. That's not bad. Um, paranormal equipment is available if you need them. Uh, guided hunts are also available upon request. Uh, access is for a minimum of 10 hours. And so I find all of this fascinating that you actually could go and investigate this place for 10 hours, get all the locations besides the cottage for $65 a person and have it for 10 hours. You could go from 8 to 6 in the morning if you wanted to and really investigate. What we saw the new ghost hunters do was basically investigate from right around 10 p.m. and they were quitting between 2 and 3. And I think part of it is what led to me feeling so disappointed in this episode, feeling like it was choppy. I feel like what they did was great, but I don't feel like they followed up or followed through. And if they did, then they didn't get anything because they didn't put it on camera. Because we all know, had they got something outstanding, it would have been shown in the TV show. Um, so that leads me to believe that if they did other things, if they tried other things, they asked other questions, they went other places, they didn't get anything. And I'm sorry, after reading through this, um... You know, the pool house and the tunnels not even being mentioned, not even being explored, um, just really throws me off. Um, I, I'm starting to feel a little leery about the new Ghost Hunters. Um, the first episode I thought was kind of cool. Like I said, it was at the high school, and and they debunked some stuff, and and they had some real interesting experiences. Um, I was new to their way of doing things. Second episode was, you know, the the states and Tony supposedly are all of a sudden starting to want to sell when. Research stated that he'd been trying to sell that house for almost 10 years. That he had asked a million dollars for it and he had dropped the price significantly. Um, I, I, I want to say under 400000 So, I'm starting to almost question the new ghost hunters' uh, methods. Uh, whether they actually explore things and explore different possibilities, try different things, ask the questions that need to be asked. I almost wonder if they played it safe in season one if they don't want to push that envelope. And I don't want to think that about them. I really don't. But um, I am a little disappointed in this episode. Like I said, I don't know any other word for it. I just feel like it was really choppy. I felt like it wasn't a fluid investigation. I didn't feel like they worked together as a team. I don't feel like um, they justified anything. The, the things that Brandon and Mustafa found at the cemetery, Rochelle and Brian didn't. Um, 
the things that Kristen, Grant, and Daryl found at the restaurant, Brian and Rochelle didn't. I I just feel like they definitely need to go back here. Uh, I feel like Grant did. I feel like they, they definitely need to give this one another try. Um, let me know how you feel. Uh, if you guys watch this one, kind of give me your opinion on it. I, I kind of want to see if it matches up with mine. Um, if you guys have any questions, comments, problems, or protests, you guys know that you can write me at paranormalreviewpod at gmail.com. Yes, that's singular, uh, paranormalreviewpod at gmail.com. Um, hit me up on the Paranormal Review uh, Facebook page or the Paranormal Review Twitter page. Tell me what you're thinking. I am really interested in seeing what you guys think on this one. And I'm not sure what show we're going to do next. I really am not. I know a lot of you want me to go back to Ghost Adventures. Um, and yes, I always want to go back to Ghost Adventures. Uh, that's who I started with, you know, and they are like my homeboys. I feel comfortable with them. But I am also very fascinated with Destination Fear and the Holzer Files. But um, I know there's some new shows out there. And do we want to try them? And I know last time we tried um, Haunting in a Heartland and it didn't turn out great. Should we give that another try? I, I don't know where we're going to go next. But... This one, for me, kind of a bust. But anyway, I will talk to you guys soon. Don't forget to uh, leave a review on podchaser.com. And like I said, write me with your comments. I'll talk to you soon.